We're on the other side of the notes that you received this morning there. If you turn on the B side, types of prayer. This is part four in the short series we're looking at. So why don't we pray? <laughs> Praise the Lord. God, come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you indeed in this place tonight. And we acknowledge our great, great need of being guided, of being taught how to pray. And God, I feel impoverished in this area. Even though we pray so much, I still feel like a pauper when it comes to prayer. And what can we do but turn to you and turn to the scriptures and ask you to, to help us see through these truths until they become part of our lives, part and parcel of who we are, God. So I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would quicken our spirits tonight. Open up our minds. Give us the ability to spiritually receive these things and put them into practice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tonight is, is about types, types of prayer. And really, we, we've looked at this before. And even if you've looked at it before, please, now is the time to pay top attention. Because if, you, if you're not doing it from when we last did it, then we really need to do it again. We really need to look at it and look at it and look at it and look at it. Okay? So types of prayer. Remember, prayer is one of the big three. There's three things that should never be separated from any Christian's life. And they are prayer, discipleship, and evangelism. If one of those three is missing, life will not be the same. Okay? So don't answer out loud. But you, are, you know, ask yourself that question. Am I actively, properly, not just religiously, but actively, properly committed to prayer? Am I committed to the discipling process? And am I committed and, and engaged in evangelism of some sort, at some level? I'm not asking you to stand on a ladder and preach. If those three things are active, you will find that you will be healthy and growing in Christian health from you know, stature to stature. But if anyone is missing, it's just simply not going to work. It's not the biblical recipe. Now, remember when we began talking about prayer? Uh, we've probably talked about this subject more than any other subject. But remember what we said. It starts with private prayer. You can, I'm afraid it just doesn't cut it to come on Friday night. Come on Friday night, folks. But look, do you want to know a secret? Don't tell anybody else, right? Do you know who come to all night prayer meetings? God. Amen, God. Thank you, brother. <laughs> as well as God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know who come? Listen, listen, don't tell anybody now. It's a secret. Backsliders. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Every time. People who can't make it to Friday or miss the Sundays, they come to an all night prayer meeting. You get your best people at all-nighters, and you get your weakest. And you know why? Because they see it when a baby can't walk, it runs until it falls over. And, and many who can't pray and don't know how to even get started, they see the all-nighter. I'm going to have a go at it. I'm going to have another run at it. And I say, amen, bring it on. Amen. amen. You come. You come whatever state you're in. I'm just letting you know, folks, th this is the reality, Right? Some people struggling in all manner of areas in their lives. Still, that, that's where you will find them. No problem with that. Stick with it. Stick at it. But private prayer. 
If there is no private prayer, everything else is going to teeter and eventually topple. It must be private. It must be at home. Okay? So we have seen over the few weeks how Jesus guides us to pray differently in different circumstances. We've moved house seven times in ten years. Is that right? Something like that. Oh, it's a nightmare. And especially the bed. We have the biggest bed that you've ever seen. I need to be a sprinter to find Jeanette in my bed. Jeanette! And you see this thing? This thing is, is, is a nightmare. I can't find it. Whoever made the bed, they had this crazy thought of making purpose-built nuts and bolts. So they don't, you can't buy it in home base. And then you've got to find the stupid thing. And you can't put the bed, and this is just one, there's another one. And you need both of them to set up the bed. It's a specific tool. I've got tools. I've got boxes full of tools. But I can't put the bed up with them. Because they don't actually work for that. I need this specific tool, and I need to find it every time. So now I keep it in my desk drawer. (laughs) Turn to Matthew chapter 9. Sorry, Mark chapter 9. Turn to Mark chapter 9 and you'll see what I mean by that illustration. Mark chapter 9. This is a situation where the disciples who had been following Jesus, they had been taught how to pray, but in this situation, their prayers just didn't seem to work. uh, Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. It's a very interesting little happening, this. It was a demon, an evil spirit that was in a boy. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, Mark 9, 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit which has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, Have you ever been to a church like that? He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to to drive out the spirit. But look at this. But they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. So they had asked the disciples who had been following Jesus, who he had taught to pray, who he had taught to drive out demons. They asked those people, would you do what you've been taught to do? And they couldn't do it. We asked them, and they could not. Mark chapter 9, and look at verse 28. After Jesus had gone indoors, he successfully delivered the boy. And then afterwards, everybody's gone home, and he's alone again with the disciples. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we drive that demon out? And he replied, This kind can only come out with prayer and fasting. It was a specific type of prayer. It's as simple as that. They had been taught about the tools. They already knew about the different things. They had watched the life of Jesus, but they didn't put into practice this specific thing that they would have seen for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't want to fast. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But they they would have known. They would have seen it. So tonight really is just a a bit of a rehearsal, a bit of a a, a revision of the types of prayer that you should be actively engaged in. And if any of them are missing, you're going to find that you're going to encounter things in life and not see the breakthrough. You're going to be praying and wondering, why don't I get 
the breakthroughs, you know, that I, I, I should see, okay? Before we look at the types, just a few words about Friday night prayer. It's quite difficult leading um, Friday night prayer in a church like this that's dynamic. In other words, changing and moving from layer to layer. But there's a few rules, you know, that you should obey. Every one of us should obey. And most of you are there nearly every Friday. When you come up to pray, don't teach. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't teach. Amen. <laughs> don't teach. Don't preach. Okay? Don't preach. We're not, we're not here to preach. That's not what Friday night is for. We're here to pray. And really, you shouldn't pray long prayers. Sorry, but you shouldn't pray long prayers. Jesus spoke about two or three times about this. Each time, he was very negative. He said, listen to this. They go on and on and on. In fact, the longest dialogue you get from Jesus, you could read that in 40 minutes, and he's the Son of God. Okay? That's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest dialogue from him. Most of the time, Jesus is very succinct. So we shouldn't really pray when we pray. I think three minutes is a very good measure. Three minutes, about three minutes. As they do in Singapore every week, without exception, for 30 years, they have stood up and said, when you pray, be short, sharp, and sweet. And you hear that every Friday night because people need to hear it every Friday night. Now, that rule doesn't apply to everybody because some of you are very anointed in prayer and some of you can come up here and pray for 10 minutes and it's fantastic and the faith in the place rises and everybody's going strong no problem you carry on that's your gifting that's your anointing but there will be others among us who, who don't have that, that gift who don't have that anointing and, and when you, you start to pray and people start to fall asleep and go and it's no good, right? You need, to, you need to know who you are, what your gifting is, and stay within the parameters of your gifting. Amen. Amen. And that leads to healthy prayer meetings where everybody is engaged, right? Another thing I would say about our prayer meetings here, be careful about what you pray publicly. Now, most of you are wise on this, thank God. But um, there's been many people I've had to pull back. You're not praying tonight, or you're not praying tonight. Because they simply don't have the... You don't know what they're going to say, right? People just don't have enough wisdom to know, well, I want to pray about it. I know you want to pray about it, but there's some things you don't pray about publicly, right? That's not a public prayer. But it's on my heart. I know what's on your heart. It's on my heart too. You're on my heart. Don't pray about that sort of thing. And, they, you know, some people ju just don't have it for that and you need to guide them and watch it. What am I saying to you? Be careful what you pray about publicly. Okay, no, just because you're sitting there with a burden on your heart or something that you feel to pray for doesn't mean it has to be over the microphone, hello. Doesn't mean the whole world needs to know. You can just keep that to yourself and still pray. Remember, the collective prayer is fantastic. It's fantastic because you're in combined faith in here. It's completely different from your home prayer. It's a different world when you're in the Friday group. It's different and God honors it. So some prayers, just be mindful that at sometimes you'll have something that you're going to pray out loud and that's absolutely fine, but just think about it. Now, this morning we were looking at the whole issue of how to, to move in prayer. This is where most people fall apart. This is where my little thing's falling apart, actually. You get a vision. You get a word from God, right? 
The word comes, God tells you what he's going to do. This is going to be your job. This is going to be your career. This is the person you're going to marry. Whatever. Okay? And then you've got that incubation period. This is the real problem. And then you eventually give birth to the word, to the vision that God gave you. How many people have had visions? That it drive you nuts. That it drive you crazy. God's constantly giving vision. Constantly sowing words into people. But they can't get through the incubation. They give up. They back off. And he got so good. Gives them another vision. And another dream. And another thing. And keeps on trying. But they just can't get through this period of incubation to bring forth, as Paul puts it, labor until they bring about the, you know, the, the, the fullness of what God has planned for them. And that's where the breakdown is. The word comes, and as sure as eggs be eggs, when you get your word, that word will be tested. It will be tested. Milk and honey, manna and quail. There's your test. What are you going to do? Now you've been told you're going to have... What are you going to do? Now you've got manna and quail. What's going to be coming out of your mouth? Ha! What's your reaction going to be? Are you going to despise God or not believe Him or back off or give up? What are you going to do when the problems start? I mentioned coming to Glasgow this morning. I had messed this thing up so many times in my life. So many times, God gave me another vision and I messed it up. Give me another chance and I'd mess it up. And when I saw this one, I said to myself, you know what? I am not going to mess this up. Lord, I, I messed that up, didn't I? And Lord, I messed this up, didn't I? And here you, good God, good, good God, you're back at me again and you've opened another door. But this time, I am going to learn from my previous mistakes and I'm going to do everything just by the book. And that's what I did. Right? The incubation. That period. It means sometimes you can pray and the prayers answered straight away. That's called a miracle. Okay? That's a dynamic intervention. It's a miracle. It's a slightly different thing. What we're talking here is about praying through. This is much more normal. Much more common. Particularly if it's a vision or a direction in life. And there's normally incubation. And we don't have time to go into all the biblical characters. You know them yourself. Off by heart. The men of God here, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who God would say, this is what I'm going to do. This is where you're going to go. And then all, you know, hell would break loose. And they eventually had to fight through to that place. So be aware of that. That's all. Be aware of it. And start to get, you know, smarter, more switched on to the actual reality of living this Christian life, if I can use the term, successfully. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. <coughs> Matthew's Gospel, excuse me, chapter 26 and verse 26. Matthew's Gospel, 26, 26. And just hold that up before you. I messed up the list and the order of the things on them, so forgive me if I don't go down them in order tonight. They're all relevant and the order is not essential. But my order may, may be slightly different from the one you've got. It doesn't really matter that much at this point. The first one I, I, I want to deal with is, is formal prayers. Because we're Pentecostals, formal prayers can seem a little dated. Maybe a little, not like us, a little religious. 
You know? I mean, if I stood up here, look, if I stood up here and I opened up the Book of Common Prayer, with all rise, please, thank you very much, and I start to read from, half of you would judge me so quick. You would, wouldn't you? You would. You would think, what's he reading from that for? I didn't, get, I didn't come to this church to be reading from some book that somebody wrote. Be careful. Careful. Easy does it. This is, take a look at this. Matthew 26, 26. This is the Last Supper scene. You know this very well. The trouble is, it's in English. While they were eating, Matthew 26, 26, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. But that's not what it says in the Greek. It says that Jesus took the bread and lifting it up, he prayed a written formal prayer. Okay? Jesus was not, in fact, this is exactly what he said. Praise, in English, obviously, praised are you, Adonai, creator of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then he turned to the wine and he said another formal prayer. Praised are you, Adonai, our ruler of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. So formal prayers most definitely have their place. And it's a different place. And we can do a great disrespect and disservice, you know, to others' form of prayer, be that, you know, a book form. Okay, it's maybe not as, as flowing or, or as relational as ours. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Okay? So don't get all hyper-Pentecostal on it. There, there can be a lot of good in it. In fact, um, once again, I don't know if you've ever done this. Don't answer out loud if you have. Have you ever written Jesus a letter? Don't look at me like that. I have. <laughs> I don't know if he got it, but I wrote it. Did you ever write Jesus a letter or sit down and actually write something? Because you, you know when you do, it's a completely different experience than saying something. Writing forces you. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. He's left us with the word. I know that. A written word here. Right? When you have to write something down, it kind of constrains you. A bit like a sieve. It squeezes you into a funnel. And I have gone to those <coughs> situations on several occasions where you go and I just feel that I want to put something down on pen and paper and I can't even get past the dear Jesus without breaking down. Or getting into a place of, of enormous intimacy. You see? So for, by formal prayers, I mean you write something out. Very few of us here pray like that. What's her name? Vicky. Vicky prays like that. Belinda. That's about it. There's no one else with a, a, a mindset of approaching God in the way that the, particularly the Old Testament prophets did. It's missing today. And it shouldn't be. There is an entrance necessary before a king. There is that, you know, extolling of him. And, and, and some of that, in terms of bringing us to a place of intimacy, can be that you could try, talking about types of prayer, you could try writing things down. Just writing a, a, something that you want to say to God down. Whether it's a prayer or thanksgiving. And just see what happens. Don't do it frivolously. Give yourself some time and do it seriously and properly. Now, in terms of that issue, I have a confession to make. Um, I throw things out. I love throwing things out. <laughs> I do it all the time. And I, have a, I, I don't like cards. 
You know, when cards come to the house, they take up your windowsill. And I don't like them there. <laughs> so I throw them out. This is a confession. I throw them out. You don't look very shocked. <laughs> I haven't finished my confession. This is the real bit. I throw them out straight away. That's the bad bit. I don't even keep them. I've all, I've, I never like cards because they always pile up and take up clutter wherever you put them, you know, and they're there for six weeks or something. Now, she likes cards, right? And, in fact, this, this, I, I had to ask permission to go upstairs and get this. This is it. Yeah, this is it. This is the box where the cards are kept. Look at this. Is there a bin net? Is there a bin? <laughs> they, these are our wedding cards. Praise God. Amen. There's all sorts of things in here. Some crazy. I'd have this out in two seconds flat. Isn't that terrible? Isn't it? I think it's awful. I, I, honestly, I'm not joking. I know it's what I do, but I do see the error in it. I mean, I could get a card from my mother. I'm serious. Oh, that's lovely. Straight in the bin. Not even a, a second thought. Look at this. It's a Valentine's card. Ah, oh, praise God. It says, to the one I love. It says, to me. Praise the Lord. And it says, the life we share is absolutely perfect. You must have been on the morphine when you got this, was it? The life we share is absolutely per per perfect. And so, my love, are you. Look. It says here, I'm perfect. Hallelujah. <laughs> maybe cards are not that bad. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll hang on to them. But I, I go sometimes, it's Valentine's Day or something like that, and I go to the shop to buy Jeanette a card. Now, to do that... You've got to pick it up and you've got to read the stuff. You know, the stuff. So you go in there and you pick it up and I start reading. And I'll tell you the truth. Very often I end up in tears. I just, it's just paused me for a moment. I start to think and it starts to talk about what you want to say. But it's in print. And then I look at the price on the back and then I'm really in tears. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> when you see it in print... It just does something. It changes you. It changes your perspective somehow. Do you agree? Have you had that experience? And I think that's something we miss in terms of God. I think it's something we miss in terms of our approach to God, in terms of writing stuff down. Because as Pentecostals, as I say, we can just dismiss it. So the first, sorry, it's the first one on my list. What am I asking you tonight? We've looked at these things before. No problem. We need to look at them again, obviously. Do you have some aspect of your life where you have a formal prayer? Do you ever write something down? Just a question and something you can think about because I think it's a, a good thing. Second type of prayer then, supplication. Now this, again, like my little tool here, this is something that is specific, something for a specific task. 363 times, is it, in the Old Testament, it says that God relents. He was going to do something, but because of the supplication of people, he changed his mind, as it were. I know God doesn't change his mind, but he changes his course of action. That's the result of supplication. 40 days, he said to Jonah, this is a word from God. 40 days and I'm going to destroy Nineveh. Well, what happened? They start repenting. They start praying, supplication, pleading. Next thing you know, God says, okay, I've changed my mind. 
He changed. In fact, the word is relent in Hebrew. It's, it's changing the course of action that he was on. Fantastic thing. We have influence. No matter what may have been declared, if you like, in your life or seem a, 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 a course of life that you cannot avoid, that's got to happen, going to happen, we have this powerful thing here. Supplication. You can get down on your knees and ask God, God, would you please reconsider this? Would you please look at this issue again? The Syrophoenician woman, remember her? She came to Jesus and asked for her daughter to be healed. Remember? And Jesus, fantastic scripture. Jesus simply said, no. And then the woman, knowing this principle, the woman knew and understood this. And she turned and she didn't take no for an answer, but she pressed right in there and she said, but Lord, do not the dogs eat the crumbs that fall? And that little statement was enough for Jesus to turn his no into not just a yes, but a highly commended yes. So you may well have been praying for something. And it could be crystal clear that the answer from God to you is no. It actually doesn't mean that it's over. Because you still have this place to go. Because that's where the Syrophoenician woman, it's in Matthew 15. She went back to Jesus and Jesus turned and said, you know, look at this. Look at this for faith. She believes in me and I will answer her prayer. It was Mary, the mother of Jesus, that did the same thing. Jesus said, my time has not yet come, remember? But Mary nonetheless believed enough to say to the servants, wait there. I think he might just answer my prayer. So you too have supplication. There's never really a time that we are bereft. We can still pray. It's just knowing what to pray, how to pray. So there's formal prayers. There's supplication. There's intercessions. In fact, turn to Joel there, if you will. Joel chapter 2 and verse 17 Joel chapter 2, this is talking about intercession. Joel chapter 2 and verse 17. Joel chapter 2, verse 17. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn. See that? Let the priests, let the intercessors, let you here today, guys, let those born again, who minister before the Lord. Let them weep between the temple porch and the altar. What is that saying? What's the place of intercession? What's the porch, Chris? What's the porch? The porch is the outside. The porch is where the people are. The porch is where you are. Okay? And it's saying, let the intercession go on between where the people are and the altar, it says. And where the Lord is. And lift them up in the gap, in between. There's your intercession. Fantastic. A call for us to stand in the gap, to be there. Now, the the seriousness of this word is probably made trite in our day because we hear it so much or hear it uh, used so much. But intercession is a costly thing. It's a pricey thing. And it can hurt and it can give you pain. Right? As you pray for people and you don't give up. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've had to put yourself on the line, which is what Jesus had to do. I, I, I shared with you before, I was in 
court with a drug addict. He wasn't your normal drug addict. He was actually a very nice guy. He just happened to get addicted to heroin. His name was Collie. And he was a good guy. He had a brother with him as well. And their mother used to come down uh, outside our drop-in center and feed them bread rolls. She thought if she could feed them enough bread rolls, they wouldn't want heroin. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work. So these two lads, they were messed up. They were dealing drugs and doing all sorts of stuff, but they were very good at heart. They helped us endlessly. One day, one of them had a load of ecstasy tablets, 38, I believe, in a bag, and the police caught him, and he was up in court, and the mother, little mother came and said, would you come and help my son? He'll kill himself. And we knew him well. Collie was a weak guy, actually, very weak, and I knew he could not survive prison. You lock him in a cell with four burly lads, he's going to top himself. This guy can't take that. He just can't take it. So we went to court, uh, and it's, sometimes it's okay. There was, a, there was one awful judge. I won't mention her name, but she was, she was a bad piece of work, man. And no one wanted to get that judge. And you don't know who you're going to get, so we turn up on the day. It's, everything's going to be all right as long as it's not her. You go in, and there she is. I thought, oh, no. And he was nervous. He couldn't stop talking. Well, you don't talk in court, you know. I said, shut up. It's bad enough. And he's gab, 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 gab. And she was saying, be quiet. And he hasn't even been called yet. I thought this is a bad start. So she calls him up and I'm called as a witness. And I know this is a bad situation and I've got this one shot at it. So I said, you know, she said, okay, go ahead. What have you got to say? I said, well, I, I, I'm Collie's pastor and I, I know him very well. And I know you see drug addicts every day. And I know there's a lot of trouble in our society. Get on with it. I know there's a lot of trouble in our society, but he's a really nice guy and he's got a lovely sweet mother. And so I kind of interceded. And she said, okay, shh, quiet, quiet, quiet. And that was it. And she started. He's going down. And it's just those little moments, you know. It's just those little moments. You talk again and you're going to prison for seven days. I'm going to prison. Contempt of court. This is one, I won't mention any names, but she's infamous in Ireland. Down, out. I had a decision to make. It's intercession. Do I let him go and kill himself or do I face the seven days? I thought I'll take the seven days. Seven days, not too bad. You read a book, you know. <laughs> so I thought, right. So I, I, I spoke up and I said, with all due respect, Your Honor, and she, like, Oh, it's like Superwoman. <laughs> she looked at me. Do you know what? The policeman knew exactly what was happening. He was already moving towards me. Cuffs, you're going down, son. You're going down. And he stopped right beside me, just looking at the judge. And I said, with all due respect, Your Honor, I, can, can I just plead this man's case? For I know you see drug addicts every day. So do I. This guy's got, he's got a good mom. He's got a church school. Be quiet. Ah. Oh. Okay, and down she goes, he's, oh, he's going down, he's going down. Shall I try again? Just one, 14 days, is it? 14 days? So a couple of moments go by, and she's starting to look, and I said it again. Your Honor, with all due respect, and she didn't look up. She just sat there still, and I just spoke for a few moments, and she sat quiet. And she looked up, and she never looked at Collie again. Instead, she turned to me, and she was talking to him, but looking at me. And she said, you must be somebody very special, young man. Very special. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you go. 
and you are required to return to this court in six months' time. And if you do anything, or you're up before me, you're going down, believe me. And we got out of there. Do you know what that is? Intercession. It's intercession. It's putting your head on the block. It's, it's laying yourself out for someone else. Now, they may never know. You can pray for people at home. We can pray for people in here or, or whatever. But God, I mean, God calls us to intercede. Let those who are priests, let those who are born again, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them cry out to God and ask Him not to destroy the nation. Fantastic. Right? Let us cry out for Japan. Cry out for Libya. Let us cry out for the nations of the earth. This is our enormous honor and standing. Okay? We'll, we can look at intercession at another time. But remember the topic tonight. Look at me a moment. Do you intercede? Do you have formal prayers anywhere in your life? Do you know that you've got supplication? You've got somewhere you can go. Even if God says no, you've got a place of appeal, a court of appeal if you like. It's called supplication. Do you intercede? Is that an active part of your life? It needs to be. It needs to be part of our prayer life. Fourthly, there's the whole thing of thanksgiving, which is couldn't be more important when it comes to praying. If I'm asking God for stuff, whatever that might be, then I had better be grateful and thankful for the stuff that he's already done. Amen? Amen. I had better be. I wouldn't spoil my children. I'm sure you won't spoil yours. There's nothing worse than a spoiled child. Spoiled child is ruined for, very often for life. Terribly hard to fix in later life. They make very, very unhappy Christians as adults. Spoiled children. Very unhappy Christians. Hard to straighten that thing out. You get it. You don't get it a lot here, but you do get it a lot in a world context. So am I thankful? Am I actually grateful to God? Being grateful... I think it opens the, the heart of the father like it opens the heart of any father. You know, Jeanette broke her hip. So for the last six weeks, six weeks yesterday, she hasn't had to do a thing. Hallelujah. I've done, I've done all the shopping. I've done all the ironing, all the cooking, all the cleaning. Hallelujah. Now, you've only got two hips. So even, I've calculated already. So even if you broke the other one, it would only be another 12 weeks and we'll be done. Now, listen. I could see how that could become quite a chore. But you know what? Even though she makes a terrible patient in the hospital, we both do. She's a dreadful patient. The last six weeks has been an absolute pleasure. And I'll tell you why. Listen carefully. Because with every dinner I cook, when she's finished, she says, thank you. And she really means it. I'm not joking now. I'm serious. She really, really means it. And if I iron something and bring it down, it's not a question of, take it, thank you. From the first day, right up till now. Just simple, simple gratitude. It doesn't half make things flow so much more easily. It's trouble for us as Christians, isn't it? We just take people for granted. And it's too easy, folks, to take this good, good God for granted. Well, the trouble for you, friend, is that if you do that, he's a good father. 
And so he ain't going to be bringing blessing. Because you can't bless a spoiled child. You'll destroy them. So you need to foster that constant state of gratefulness, thankfulness for everything that God has done for you. You think back over your life. Thankfulness. Look, thankfulness refers to what God has done for me in the past. Thankfulness refers to my present situation. And thankfulness refers to the future. That I thank God for these three things in my life. And I do it consciously. I do it constantly when I'm in prayer. Which is what you have been obviously raised to do, Belinda. You understand what I mean by the difference. I hope you can see the difference in Belinda's prayer. When you come forward, you will pick up the mic, most of you, and you'll start to pray for what you need. She can't do that. It's not in her nature. You I don't know if you've seen it, but Belinda will come forward and she'll say, how majestic is your name. You existed before we ever... And off she goes. You see? It's extolling God. It's opening the gates of heaven. It's getting the ear of God turning. Someone who knows who I am here. And I think we've lost that. It's part of gratitude. Thank you, God, for everything you've done for me. I was thinking this afternoon, God, when I look at my life, I look back, you know I had a drink problem. Oh, boy. I mean, you know the situations you were in. Amen? Remember the things God got you through? Gordon? The, the, the scrapes, the mess, you know, just takes one second to wreck your life. And yet God saw you through umpteen times, too many to count. He saw you through it. He looked after you. You need to remember that. You need to be grateful for it. One day I was so drunk. I was drunk for about 10 years, nearly constantly. I was very sick with alcohol at that time. And a, a massive problem. I don't know. I think I got thrown out of some pub somewhere in Bridge End in Wales. And I woke up in the central reservation of a motorway. Not a good idea, really. And I'm lying in the central reservation in the motorway. And the cars are wee, 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 wee. It's about midnight. And I'm so drunk I can hardly stand. How I got there, you tell me. I don't know. But it's a dangerous situation. It's a near-death situation. I remember sitting up and thinking, uh-oh, you've got to somehow get either over to that side or over to that side, but I don't know if you're able to, to do that. First of all, I'm going to have to try and stand up. Then I'm going to have to try and get to the other side of the road. Now, I'm about 70 miles from where I live. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. We'd gone on some binge, some drinking binge, and I got chucked out of the pub. <laughs> and... So I wake up in this thing, and I remember, I, I, well, I don't remember, but I, I, I got over, and I made it over to the, to, to, to the side of the road, and here I'm standing there, car, oh, Zoo, a friend of mine, 70 miles from home, 12 o'clock at night, and I just make it there, and it's a busy, busy, busy junction, and she says, Mike, hi, Zoo, get in, and she took me home. She didn't take me home. God took me home. Not saved. Got absolutely no interest in you, God. And you're still caring for me. Hallelujah. And many of you have countless things to thank God for. Things maybe you don't even know about. Things we will never know about, maybe until glory, or maybe never even know about at all. 
the accidents you missed, where God preserved you, etc., etc. We need to be thankful. All right? Thankful for the things in the past and, and conscious of our present and thanking God for that and thanking God for all the good things that he will do. So formal prayers, supplications, intercessions, thanksgiving, and then the, the prayer of faith, which is quite a famous one, really. Look at Romans, and you'll see this one. Romans chapter 4. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Romans chapter 4, 17. This is God talking about faith and telling us how prayer works. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also of those who are of the faith of Abraham. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Uh-oh, sorry, wrong one. That's the wrong scripture. It was the, I, I tell you the one, yeah, call things, exactly, Gordon, that's the one I was looking for. The, he's the God who calls things that are not as though they are. Where is that? It doesn't. Is it? Verse 17, is it? Aha, I have made you, oh, what am I doing wrong here? Oh, there it is, yeah. So, so the, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Can you see that? See that in your Bible? That's kind of a very important foundation stone for your prayer life. Now, once again, look up at me a minute, because this is important. How many things are you praying for? How many things are you waiting on? How many visions have you had? And you've got a seed, but you're in the incubation period. How many? Don't answer. How many? How many are in your heart? Because this is... Normal prayer life. This is what a normal prayer life looks like. There are many things that we're holding in our heart. But you, you, again, the, the reality is you speak to many Christians and they have lost their vision. In their visions. There should be many things that we're cultivating. God has said this and I'm believing for that and I'm holding to it. God has said that. And I'm, this is the normal Christian life. Because he's the God who calls things that are not as though they were. In other words, he puts that seed within you and then he expects you to be able to tarry, to wait, to hold it, to wait until the vision comes to pass. All right? So there should be within me, within you, many things that we're waiting on God for. So ask yourself that. We're looking at these and seeing if we're actually engaged in these types of prayer. Have you got seeds, visions, dreams, hopes, that you're waiting on God for, because you should have. I, I, in, in terms of the prayer of faith, when I first got saved, actually looking back on it, I regret this because it, it, it messed me up a bit. When I first got saved, I heard a very good man of God, a real, real good fella. He said this, when you pray something, you should pray only once and you should believe. And then you should not pray again because the prayer of faith is prayed once. And you should just pray once and walk away and that's it. You should then just wait. And I never forgot that because I liked the guy, but it kind of confused me. I don't know if you've ever heard a statement like that. But the statement's not, let me say, it's not complete. It's not the whole story by any stretch of the imagination. Because in terms of the prayer of faith, 
there, there's two approaches to this that we see in the Bible. You see the centurion and his faith, and then you see the persistent widow. And there are two very different approaches to receiving the vision. Two very, very different situations you have here, right? The centurion, he was commended for his. The widow, she was commended for her persistence. Okay? So, you understand? You've got a promise from God. But maybe you don't have faith for it. Like the centurion. Don't worry. You can be like the widow. You can still receive the answer to that prayer. Just be persistent. Okay? So, the answer for me is that the whole truth is, if you've got faith, use it. If you haven't got faith, be persistent. Amen? Okay? And that kind of irons that out, I hope. It did for me because it, 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 it stalled me for a little while until I understood that bit. Sixthly, the, the prayer of agreement or otherwise sometimes known as the petition. Petitions are when we pray for personal things and that's why Friday is important. Remember I used the example of the pulpit. If, I'm try, if, if this pulpit weighs a ton and I'm constantly trying to lift it, that's crazy. What do I need to do? I need to get help. I need to bring the thing to the church. And there are some of you, in fact, a certain person came to me to say they'd been praying about something for 10 years in this church. And I remember thinking, you've been for 10 years? Wow. <laughs> Did you ever bring it to the church at all? Did you ever think, Ed, no. Well, I'm not surprised you've been praying about it for 10 years. You can't shift that. What do you think the church is for? What do you think the church prayer meeting's for? You're not going to deal with that at home. That's not that kind of issue. You need to get used to all manner of prayers. Right? Just like they say, Jesus, why can't we do this? Well, you just need to stick and find out which particular type of prayer is relevant for the thing you're trying to do. Now, bringing stuff publicly in, in, in that regard, often people are, are too shy or, or whatever to do that. And you need to get over that. Amen. You need to get over it. Don't be shy about these things. I'm not shy when it comes to these things. I will be as public as I need to be and, and get the job done. And some of you need to do that. In fact, he's pretty good at that here. The, the other great thing about agreement, the prayer of agreement and, and petition, is that if you lose faith, some of the people you've shared with, they might have faith. They might hold on to faith. When we took out the church in Dublin, the warehouse, I had faith for that building at the beginning. <laughs> it started off well. And we, we, the whole church was fired up. We were moving into a new building. And it's fantastic. Everything was going so well. I got the vision. Halfway through the incubation, I lost it. I really lost it. They rang me up one day and said we weren't going to get the building. And I, it was devastating. I'll never forget that day. I actually was walking down the street. I just got up. I was going into the office. And they rang up and said the building's gone. I turned around, went back home. I got back into bed. And I pulled the I pulled the coat over my. I was absolutely devastated. How could we have lost that? God, you gave us that. I can't believe this. You got you know three hundred odd people expecting to move into this thing who have paid for it, sown for it. We've got everything done. I was devastated for for everybody's sake. And I later on in the day, I went into the church, and one of my mates was there, Frank. I said, Frank, you're never going to guess what's happened. The building's gone. He said, what? I said, the building's gone. I had lost all faith. And Frank looked at me. And he said, what do you mean, pastor? 
the building's gone. I said, they rang this morning. He said, well, it's not, is it? I said, no, no, they... uh, uh, uh." He said, it doesn't matter what they did. It's not gone. Oh, yeah, I was thinking that as well, actually. I was thinking the same, (laughs) same thing. He was absolutely rigid. He said, it's not gone. Why did you believe them? And the, the, the faith in him. Petition's a great thing. Sharing. You see, I lost my faith. And it, potentially, we could have lost that place. But someone else had it because I shared it. You understand? And you, can have, you, you, you pray about something, you may lose your way. But praise God, someone else, your friend, your mom, your dad, might pick that thing up and they may get the faith to see the thing through. So, of course, be wise, but don't be afraid about sharing your vision, your dreams, your, and what you're praying for. And in, in terms of agreement, remember, agreement, first of all, has got to be with God, of course, and in line with his will or supplication. And you've also got to be happy in the marriage or keep a happy home. 1 Peter says that if we don't agree amongst ourselves as couples, our prayers are hindered. Your prayers will be hindered if you don't agree as, as couples. And the last one, Prayer and fasting. In other words, if you try all of those things and you work through them and you're still not getting the answer, then you've got one last place really and it's the ultimate place of power. That is that you can pray and fast. We pray and fast regularly. I pray, she fasts. Fantastic arrangement. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You can pray and fast. And I think that is one of the most powerful things that you can do. You release your spirit. You get that, you know, connectivity with God at a level that, you know, is excellent. So, very simply, keep your list, take it home, and look at the types of prayer that you're engaged in. And ask yourself, am I doing, am I doing these things? Am I actively engaged? And if not, it's very simple. God is very good. You simply pick them up and re-engage yourself in them. Amen? Amen. Just bow your heads. Just invite the worship team back at this time. Father, we thank you for the types of prayer that we can be engaged in. And I pray that tonight we will take them all to heart and that we will utilize these great gifts and tools that you've given us, God. Quicken our spirits. Make us wise on these things, Lord. I pray you would speak in this room. Speak in this room, Lord. And bless and guide everyone in the area of their specific need.